I think all of us want to make a difference. I really believe deep down inside of us, we all want to have significant lives. I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says, hey, uh, today I really want to be a time waster, space taker. My goal today is be a game player, binge watcher. I want to be just a church attender, book reader. Oh, today I think I'll just surf the internet all day. I think we want to make a difference. Every single day when we wake up, we want to make an impact. So where do we start? How can God use you and I to make a difference and change in this world? Well, there's a principle in the scriptures that there's a rhythm throughout the scriptures. It's called in, then through. Say it with me. In, then through. And the way it works is God does his work in us. And then as he does his work in us, he begins to accomplish his work through us. Now, here's the problem. If you're like me, you like to skip right to the through part and not spend so much time in the in part. We don't really want to struggle with what God wants to do in us. We want to jump to what God wants to do through us. And I have a difficult time waiting for God to do the end part. I'm very impatient. I want to move forward. But God says, wait. Before we get there, there's some things I need to do in you before I can accomplish my work through you. I want to talk a little bit about this one-on-one way as we start this new series today that God wants to do in us and through us. I began to pray years and years ago, um, many years ago, that I wanted to have God's eyes. I wanted to have Jesus' eyes that I could look at this world and I could see things through his lens and not my own. And one of the things I've learned and thought about over the years is Jesus was constantly surrounded by crowds, all the time wanting people, people wanting him to do this and that and meet this need and meet that need. But he had the ability, even when everyone was pulling at him and needing his attention, he had the ability to focus in on one. He had the ability to concentrate on winning one. And so I began to pray, Jesus, help me see people the way you see people. Help me focus in on the one. And throughout the New Testament, he would disciple his disciples this way. They would grow irritated, frustrated, annoyed by people. They would be around people all the time. And again and again, they would be annoyed by them. But again and again, Jesus would say, no, no, this is how you are to see people. This is how you are to love people. One example of that is in Matthew 15. A Canaanite woman cries out to the Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering. In verse 22, it says, then his disciples urged Jesus to send her away. Tell her to go away. She's bothering us with all of her begging. You hear what's going on in their hearts? They spend a lot of time around people and they've had enough of people. 
Tell her to go away, Jesus. We're sick and tired of hearing her begging all the time and bothering us. And Jesus stops. He loves her like a daughter, cares for her, and heals her daughter. Again and again in Scripture, we see where the disciples are taught by Jesus to love the way he loves. And that would be some of the same things that God would want to do in us. Because he had to teach the disciples that I have to work in you before I can work through you. So the passage I want to look at this morning in just a moment is Mark, in Mark chapter 4. If you have a Bible, turn there or uh, push your phone and get there to Mark chapter 4. There are a lot of parables that Jesus told that help us with this one-on-one way of living. And before we jump to this parable, which is very familiar to most of us probably in this room, I want to start by finishing a sentence or a prayer. And here it is. God, more than anything else, I want you to use me too. How would you finish that sentence? God, more than anything else, I want you to use me too. Maybe something specific comes to your mind. Maybe somebody's face comes to a mo- in your mind. More than anything else, God, I want you to use me too. Bring the kingdom. Awesome. To serve you and others. More than anything else, God, I want you to use me too. Do your works. More than anything else, God, I want you to use me too. Witness to my older children. See people and love them well. Win others. Be a light to others. Further your kingdom. Awesome. I feel like a talk show host. Be an example. Sweet. I think it's important that each of us, every single day, wake up, pray that prayer, ask that question, God, today, more than anything else, I want you to use me too. And understand, to answer that prayer There are some things probably that God has to do in you for it to happen. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. Jesus is in a boat teaching from the Sea of Galilee. There's a large crowd there. Listen, he says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along among the path. The birds came and ate it up. So place number one, it fell along the what? Path. Verse 5, some, secondly, fell along the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because there was no root. Verse 7, number 3, still other seed fell along among the thorns or the weeds, which grew up and choked the plants so they did not bear grain. And finally, some seed fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, 
some 100 times. I love this parable, parable because it's one of the only parables that Jesus unpacks it for us. He's always laying out all these pictures and all these examples. But later on, the disciples will say, what's it mean? Jesus, what's it mean? And he usually doesn't do that for us. But in this one, he does. He ends up talking about the farmer who threw the seed on the good soil and it multiplied. Something happened in the ground. It broke through. There was a harvest. And that's exactly what we want in our lives, right? We want something to break through. We want God to do something in our lives that makes a difference in this world. Because there's something that happens in the soil when the seed plants in there. Any gardeners in here? All right? There's something that happens. You plant the seed. There's something that happens in the ground. And all of a sudden, it begins to grow. But it's really, really tough to trust that it's going to happen. I mean, you plant the seed, and nothing happens for a while. And if you're like me, you can get disgusted, you can get discouraged, and you can think, is anything ever really going to happen with this? But once it breaks through the ground, we take more care of it. (laughs) We pay more attention to it. We're more motivated to keep it going. But when it's in the ground, it's very, very tough to keep on keeping on with it. One of the things I really want you to see is the word of God has been planted in your hearts. That's the seed. The word of God has been planted in your hearts and there's something happening in the ground. Maybe you haven't seen the fruits of what God is doing in your life yet, but it's coming. Don't be discouraged. The Bible says in Galatians, don't go grow weary in doing good. At the right time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. You know, a Chinese bamboo tree, I love this illustration. A Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to see growth. It has to be watered, fertilized as it's in the ground. It has to be uh, planted in the ground. Every day it needs to be taken care of. But it doesn't break through the ground for five years. Isn't that crazy? It sits in the ground. You don't see anything for five years. Then in the fifth year, that Chinese bamboo tree grows 90 feet. 90 feet in five weeks. Now here's my question for you. Did it take five years or five weeks for the Chinese bamboo tree to grow? Yeah, five years, five weeks. And all along the wow, if someone would have stopped watering it, if someone would have stopped fertilizing it, if someone would have stopped caring for it, it would have died. It would have died. That's the end and through challenge. 
We plant a seed in the dirt, and it doesn't feel like anything's happening in the dirt, but something's happening. The seed, the Word of God, it's not buried, it's planted. And there's a difference between something being buried and forgotten and something being planted. If it's planted, it's going to bring a harvest if God's in it and we don't give up. The same with the word of God being planted in our hearts. You water it. You be intentional to feed it by praying, studying scripture, guarding your heart, getting the weeds out, pull the weeds from your life. How do you do that? By repenting. We don't hear much about that today. We need to move more of that. Confessing, having accountability. You cultivate that seed, continue to pull the weeds, and it takes time, but it's going to happen. For some of you, God wants to do in you and eventually through you what he wants to do in you and eventually through you is because of something that's already happened to you. Up until this point, Maybe something negative has happened in your life. Up until this point, you've maybe tried to bury it, tried to forget about it, tried to close that page altogether. But here's the thing. There are things that God takes that have happened in our life that maybe haven't been so pleasant that he takes that and then works through that for us to accomplish a difference in this world. Think of Moses. Moses wanted God to work through him in a powerful way to free his people from the Egyptians. One day, you remember Moses is a young man, and in an impulsive moment he kills an Egyptian soldier who was abusing one of his Jewish brothers, and he has to flee for his life. He goes to the backside of the desert. He works for his father-in-law for 40 years. 40 years, and I'm guessing somewhere along those 40 years, he gave up on his dream that God was ever going to do anything with him. 40 years. But in those 40 years, God was at work in him. And then all of a sudden, one day, there's a burning bush, and God says, okay, Moses, now I'm going to work through you. Here we go. Maybe you've given up on a dream. You've given even up thinking about how God can use you, what God can do through you. Hear me. God's not giving up on you. I don't care where you are, where you find yourself in life. If the Holy Spirit is in your life and in your heart, God has not given up on you. And even if he's not, God's not giving up on you. There's some things that needed to happen in you. Maybe they're still happening in you in order for God to do his work in you. But get this. Something's happening in the dirt. Say it with me. Something's happening in the dirt. Something's happening in you. If you're praying, you're worshiping, you're striving to figure out what God wants to do in your life, something's happening in 
the dirt. And so Jesus unpacks this for his disciples. They come to him and say, hey, what's all this mean? Verse 14, Jesus says, the farmer sows the word. Some of the people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown, and they hear it. Satan comes and takes away the word that has been sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on the rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. So there's some emotion there. But since they have no root, it only lasts for a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown, or like the seed sown among the thorns, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Finally, others are like the seed sown on good soil. They hear the word, accept it, they receive it, and they produce a good crop. In Matthew's account of this parable, he makes it clear that the farmer in the parable is Jesus. Jesus is the one who sows the word, sows the seed, and who's the dirt? You get it yet? You. You. You're the dirt. Our role is to be the soil that accepts the word of God, the seed, where it can take root and then watch it grow. He mentions four different kinds of soils real quick. We'll see where you are, maybe have been on these four different spiritual soils, the condition of your heart. First soil he mentions is the path, which is another way of saying the road. On the road, it's hard. This seed doesn't really have a chance to get in the soil because the surface is so hard. Matthew 13, Jesus speaks of those who have closed their ears. They've shut their eyes. They've hardened their hearts. And maybe this is where you are or maybe where you've been. Maybe there's a chance you really don't even want to be here today. You're here more out of obligation or trying to meet someone's expectations. Maybe spiritually your heart's become cold. It's become cynical. A hard heart to Jesus and his love for you is a very, very dangerous place to be. And the sad thing about it is it's not always easy to see that your heart's hard few symptoms maybe to help you out a little bit maybe you think you know you're just going through the motions sing praise songs and you're not really thinking about it you're not really talking to God or praying to God as you sing those you pray it's just like going through the motions you're doing some things more out of muscle memory than out of conviction. You're just checking it off a list. That's one sign. Another sign is spiritual apathy. You really have no spiritual energy right now. The idea of taking any time to pray seems heavy to you. You don't have time for it. 
You'd rather watch a new season of your favorite show on Netflix, but you don't have time to pray. Spiritually, you don't have any passion or energy right now. Or number three, there's this stubborn resistance. Maybe God's convicted you of a sin some time ago, but you've kind of just buried that thought, and you've never really addressed it. You just keep moving on. And the longer you put it off of repenting from that, the harder your heart becomes. Now the conviction is not even really there anymore. Number four, maybe you're always thinking about what God wants to do in someone else's life, but never taking much time to think about what God wants to do in your own. It's like when you listen to a message, you hear God's word being spoken, and instead of taking it in, you're thinking, man, I hope they're listening to this. I hope my husband's listening. I hope she's listening. I, I need to send this to. And we don't take time to think, okay, God, what do you want to do in me. Second soil, rocky places. The seed sown, and immediately it's received with joy, but then it takes no root. So they receive it with emotion, but they don't cultivate it, and quickly it just dies because it doesn't take root at all. Might have been a time in your life where you're spiritually moved, spiritually con convicted. Might even happen today. You you think about something, you say, "Yeah, I need to I need to be get me more intentional about that." But then all of a sudden, you just move to something else. It doesn't take root. Third type, he mentions among the thorns, which could be translated among the weeds. It's the idea that the seeds are planted but they're planted amongst all these weeds, and the moment they begin to surface, the weeds choke them out. If you have a garden, you've, you've seen that happen. If it's overtaken by weeds, forget about the tomatoes, right? That happens in our life, and he mentions three kinds of weeds. Interesting. Worries of life. Anybody worry? All right. Deceitfulness of wealth and the pleasures of life. What I think about happens to all of us is those kind of things creep in and they choke out the seed that's been planted. Even today, some seeds might have been planted through a worship song, through a prayer, through your time in the Lord's Supper, one-on-one -on -one with God. But eventually, even today, you're going to plant weeds. And we have to be intentional make sure we ourselves don't plant weeds through the worries of this life, through the deceitfulness of wealth, through the pleasures of this life, because they'll choke out the word of God. And the final soil is the good soil, where God's wanting to do something inside of you. A seed's being planted right now, and God's design is for that seed to bring a harvest. Every time you hear the word of God, every time you read the word of God, every time you go into God's presence, God wants to do something in you to eventually do something through you, and that's bring a harvest. Make some kind of difference in this world. That's the power of his word. That's the promise of his word. If the word of God is planted in a heart, 
God's going to do something with it. If you take care of it, if you nurture it, if you feed it, the harvest will come. And so what does God, again, want to accomplish through you? You thought about it? One of the things I love most in this world is watching someone come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the very first time. And I love knowing that God has just done something amazing in their life. He has now promised them eternity. He's given them a hope. And I love the fact that God is now in them. And I love watching how God is going to continue to work in them, and they might not even know it. And then eventually, what God does through them. That's the power of God's word and the presence of Jesus Christ. And usually when that happens, there are other people behind it, helping it, nurturing it in someone else. That's the in and through way of life, God's way. I think about my own life, and I think about the in then through way of God in my life. All the way back in 1967, I was six years old. My parents really didn't attend church very much, especially my dad. He really didn't care much about church and God at all. He was pretty much an alcoholic. Uh, His favorite beverage, I can close my eyes and I can see it, was Rolling Rock long time ago. I can even remember when I was about four years old, he had a motorcycle, and he was so drunk, he got on that motorcycle, and he drove it right through our living room in the house. I can remember being camping and laying in the tent all night long listening to him and his friends, my mom and their friends, party all night long. I can remember him being drunk, throwing something across the kitchen, my mom packing her bags. That was all my memories from age four to like age eight, but something happened, something happened, my dad and I would go fishing together, he was faithful in that, we'd go fishing at Cross Creek in Wintersville, Ohio, it's a small creek, and we'd wade that creek, and we'd throw lures in there, fishing lures, and catch smallmouth bass, and my dad, we'd, as we'd wade it and walk it, 
he would always be in front, partially because he didn't want me scaring the fish, really. And so he'd lead, and I'd follow. And he said something struck him one day when we were fishing. We were stepping in, in mud as we went down the creek. And he looked back, and he saw me stepping in every one of his footprints as we made our way down the stream. And he thought to himself, uh-oh, he's following every step that I take. And if I don't change my life soon, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. And from that moment on, he would tell the story From that moment on, he gave his life fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. So what's that mean? That means as a result, in 2023, as a result of what my dad did in 1968, he continues to bear a harvest through me and through generations to come. All based on one decision, walking down a creek one day and looking behind him, realizing what God needed to do in him, and then seeing what God would do eventually through him. What's God want to accomplish in you so that he can work through you? Father, we thank you so much for today. God, we thank you for your word. God, a parable that many of us have heard over and over again. But God, I pray today maybe we had fresh eyes, fresh ears, fresh hearts to see what you want to do in us right now and eventually through us to make a difference in this world as we look for people one at a time and meet them one-on-one. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said,